0: Welcome to the Business Kids Podcast. We talk to real people, not their job titles. Let's get straight to business. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are joined by recent Shula graduate, Mahad. Take the floor, introduce yourself, tell people who you are, and uh, a little bit about what you do. Sure, sure. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Uh, my name is Mahad. I'm a recent graduate from the Shula School of Business, uh, BBA 2020. I specialize in marketing as well as a handful of finance. Uh, in there, I'm a founder and president of Chatting to Wellness, which is a social enterprise that combats senior isolation through youth companionship. Uh, I founded it in the summer of my first year at university and been running it ever since. Uh, recently, we've been featured in Global News, uh, CTV, Huffington Post, CBC and a variety of other media outlets for what we're doing uh, during COVID-19. Uh, I worked at Nestle last summer as a marketing intern and I have a huge interest in marketing as well as startups, entrepreneurship and that whole space of tech and, and, and innovation. Okay, that's a that's a well-phrased pitch.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, when you're doing it all day, you get used to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like he heard that like that trigger. And he's like, okay. Here's the go. question.
0: Yeah. He's that's, I mean, it. that's Yeah, I don't think it. I could so, phrase my stuff that well, so gotta give it to you.
2: It's that four years of experience in Shulik. Yeah,
0: yeah. You get good at it at some point.
2: You get good at it. (laughs) So before we start with more of the nitty-gritty when it comes to business and what you do in school and work and things like that, we know that during these unique times, obviously during COVID and lockdown, a lot of us had been spending a lot of time watching different shows ranging from like random reality TV to dramas or soap operas and things like that. And I know that one particular genre that you're really interested in is anime, from what I've been told. Just like tell us a little bit about how this started. Was this like a childhood thing or is it something that you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I've always
1: I've always been interested in anime. I just thought it was so much cooler than like live action stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean anime is something I was always watching and I remember the, the peak like nerdiness of, of my like career in, in in anime was when I was the president of my high school's anime club. Not for hey. one year, but for two years. Like I, I held that down for my grade eleven and grade twelve year. And Yeah, like I've always been interested in it. I just found it super cool. uh, Just the way things are different, the type of stories that were put together and just the the type of products that the medium allowed you to create. Like there was a lot more creativity that you could put in when you didn't have the restrictions of live action.
2: Uh, Like, are you into like Dragon Ball and Naruto? Yeah, yeah. Uh, No, I'm super
1: into like, obviously the the classic, like uh, the mainstream anime ones like Naruto and and Bleach. I just finished Naruto uh, again during COVID. So that was a solid lot of episodes there um, one punch man you know all the, all the classic ones um yeah. but i also was really interested in slice of life anime um mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't know so like the really cute ones where it's an entire show about them working part-time at like a cafe like i'm into that i've watched like a, yeah. a show that's three seasons of just that um yeah so a bit diverse in that way it's not just the the mainstream guy stuff but the the cute relationship
0: stuff i'm, I'm all there i'm so <laughs> into it so Okay, you watched Naruto again, you said. Yeah. And I guess for me, like, I kind of find it hard to wrap my head. Like, even when people say, oh, I watched uh, The Office or I watched uh, this movie for, like, the fifth time or whatever. Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> like, I, I'm not really a big – I watch it once, I'm done. You know, what's your yeah, – yeah, yeah. No, you're you're
1: 100% right about that. I'm the, I'm the exact same way. So Naruto again – I watched, Naruto was, like – Naruto Shippuden was, like, hundreds of episodes. So I was like in and out for a long period of time. I just finally got to watch it consecutively. But I know what you mean. Like for the longest time, my friend, I know this one guy, he he graduated with me and he watched The Office like eight or nine times. And I'm like, how do you do that? (laughs) That's you, bro. Did you forget it? so many times? And he's awesome. Like we'll, we'll say a quote or like a joke and he'll know, like I'm not kidding, he'll know like season seven, episode 13, here's what happens. Like it is crazy how well he knows this stuff. But there's a couple of shows that you just kind of vibe with that, you know, you put on in the background. Like, I put Office on in the background, Community, uh, Parks and Rec. Those are those type of shows you kind of just never get tired of. You can watch over and
0: over again. But uh, I know what you mean. I, I couldn't yeah. watch something more than once if it was, like, too serious. Okay, you said Naruto is long and I don't know how long, a few hundred episodes? A few hundred episodes, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it is it is a big-ass commitment. And I know right now you're, you know, running businesses. You're a busy guy. You're doing a lot of stuff. So yeah, yeah. How much... You said you rewatched it. How much did you watch per day? Like, how do you make time to watch these shows? Honestly, uh, I mean, there's up and down periods, honestly, but
1: uh, I I go to sleep pretty late. Um, So that's always a one. But I make sure I have time. I mean, I I run a lot. I I do a lot of things. And so even with that, I still try and make sure I have time to to unwind and and do things I like. Um, A day doesn't feel complete if I didn't have a chance to kind of be myself and and disconnect. Put my phone on do not disturb, and 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 you know watch a show, you know watch a YouTube video or something like that. So I I think self care in that way, where it's like unwinding and relaxing, is, is a priority of mine. I mean I work in a mental health space, so I I hope it would be. Um, so I, I think honestly, no matter how busy you get, it's really important to to be able to to find yourself, recollect and 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 calm down at the end of the day before you hop into another day of meetings and pitches and whatever all day.
2: Yeah, I, I, I I agree with that in that sense. Uh, So for many other people that, you know, during these times, uh, COVID, it's, it's kind of like an iffy period, because you can either work all day or just do nothing, like, you know, sitting on the couch every single day, like, till the end of time. Um, What are some kind of like self care methods that you would recommend to people?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And, And it really is the extremes. I've seen people who are like working more than they ever were before. And the advice to them is totally different from the advice you give someone who's not doing anything all day. Not, I, mean, I don't mean, mm-hmm. when I say anything, I don't mean like, you know, you're just sitting around. But some people are just watching shows all days and that's, what, that's okay, right? It's a difficult time and people cope in different methods. But self care, I think, goes beyond just kind of doing stuff that's traditionally seen as fun. So if you're watching, you know, Naruto all day, like 20, 30 episodes a day, I don't think that's self care, uh, generally speaking. Obviously, it depends on the person. But um, I think self care is kind of, providing yourself all the facets of life that you need, which is one, yeah, it's, you know, peaceful time for yourself and, you know, having some jokes and laughs in the day, whether it's a comedy show or hanging out with friends, and then there's the social aspect. There's the exercise aspect of, of you know, moving your body and all that stuff, um, food, et cetera. So it's kind of like, you got to have, I hate this answer with everything, but um, you got to have a balance of things. So if you're watching shows all day, I'm mean, sure you, you know, that might be fun, but you might not have seen your friends in a while. So, for me, I try and find a balance with those things i'll hang out with friends once or twice a week at the you know minimum um spend a little bit of time watching the shows that i like you know eat good food stuff like that it's just about you know it's a marathon uh you can't really burn out uh and if you do it's, it's really difficult to get out of that spiral i've burnt out before with things and it's not
0: fun um yeah. yeah you mind running us through like you know in your week what do you do like do you have other self-care methods or things that you schedule because as you said it's about balance so you know yeah. you watch shows in the evening what time do you go to bed what time do you wake up do you leave weekends off any other yeah. things you
1: do? i i think uh when you're running a business it's very different than if you're working a job because that's a little more structured at least uh, there's pros and cons to both but i can tell you about my experience uh, for me i make sure that i at least have one thing that's constant no matter what even when i was working last summer or i'm doing this or that or whatever i make sure that in the week i at least have one day off usually that's like a saturday or something um not sunday like saturday is my day off no matter what um and if i can't do that then then sunday but I, I make sure i have one day where i can disconnect from everything and that really helps to kind of center you with things um and that one day i'll try I'll, I'll try my best not to reply to messages or do anything that's work related um beyond that um in my case and i guess with a lot of people since it's work from home um, it's really easy to kind of take a break in the middle of the day so like 1-2 p.m. If I'm feeling a bit groggy I'll, I'll take a nap or something I'll just you know not schedule around that or something like that. So there's a lot of advantages and ways to take care of yourself even when you're working from home, particularly when you're working from home, um, but I think it's really important for people to understand themselves, right? Like for some people taking a day off, is, it doesn't do anything for them, but hanging out with friends is huge. I'm super introverted so I don't need that as much, but I know some people like if they go a couple of days without talking to somebody, uh, in person like really having that vibe it's it's like insanity for them and so scheduling around that is, is super important it's really personalized but for me it's you know taking time for myself um, you know eating the right foods enjoying enjoying some other pieces of life that I enjoy um, and other things may not be
0: as important to me but they might be for somebody else. Okay
1: so yeah.
0: you kept talking about like scheduling your days making sure you know if you want to take an afternoon nap take it but how do you schedule your days like what you know, what methods do you use?
1: I think in the stage that we're at, which is really like the pre product market fit slash kind of at the same time growth stage, um, there's not a lot of room for me in my position to have too many systems in place. Um, so I can put into practice like, okay, after 10 PM, uh, we're not going to do any, I'm not going to do anything or, you know, I'll have one day on the weekend, but it's pretty limited. Right. Um, because, things will pop up left, right and center. I mean, one day I'll think I have like no meetings and then I'll get uh, an email from, you know, someone we're going into a big pilot with and all of a sudden the rest of my week is booked up with meetings with our lawyer and this and that and, and doing financials and whatever. So my schedule is very, very hectic in that way where new things pop up all the time. And for me, the best way to combat that and kind of deal with it is to be adaptable. So I wish I could tell you there was like solid systems in place I'm sure you can find that with people who have more structured days and more structured schedules, but due to the nature of mine being a lot more dependent on my team and market conditions and, and kind of the projects that we're working on, I don't, I'm not able to have too many systems in place that I can stay true true, stay true to, besides the ones I mentioned, which is like past 10 p.m. I'm not doing anything and Saturdays I have off.
2: Besides obviously having some sort of winding off time and things like that, an important aspect of taking care of yourself is also eating the right foods and things like that as already a, a, a graduate, uh, like do you cook for yourself or like, do you mostly just get takeout or things like that? Or how, how is it like, like your structure during those, I mean, during these so
1: times? So I'm still living at home, uh, which I think mm-hmm. plenty of people are. Still yeah. Um, so, and I have a big family, so my mom will cook or my siblings will cook. And so I'm like solid that way. Uh, I don't spend mm-hmm. there, but I do know like how to, I know how to cook like the basics. I make a sick fried egg. Um, I'll make like a sandwich out of that whenever I need to Um, so when I'm cooking I try to be as healthy as possible just because I'm not cooking that often so like might as well for once yeah Um, but for me like food is honestly like when I say eating the good eating right foods I don't necessarily mean healthy foods all the time like sometimes for me that's a good outlet to self-care as well right it's a good outlet to like go to Osmos and just eat this big pile (laughs) of crap because it's an enjoyable 30 minutes you know what I mean Um, self is a solid way to self care, you know, for a
0: short period of time. I mean, don't, don't overdo it, obviously. Yeah, of course. What's your favorite, uh, what's your favorite indulgent meal? Is it Osmos? What do you go to if you're, you know, you're feeling we're done. I got to eat something shitty right now. I, I just want it in my face.
1: Honestly, Osmos is like the go-to when you're just kind of like hungry. You want a bunch of, bunch of like crap, but I've really been, there's a, a cha time in Brampton that opened up a few years ago. So I'm always at the cha time, like pretty much every Friday. They know me there. You know, they're like, hey, <laughs> How's it going? And I'll go late some days and be like, oh, you know, you're so late today. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, I found this halal Vietnamese place in Etobicoke was about 30 minutes from my place. But I go there often. If you if anybody has me on Instagram or Snapchat, like I, I keep going there. Um <laughs> So Vietnamese, Vietnamese food is like my thing right now I'm super into it Oh my gosh It's number 5 QQ Mango juice, it's the mango juice With the tapioca jelly And the uh, the Coconut jelly, yeah that's like the go to And then you get the, I think it's like number 9 I think is the mango smoothie Yeah, uh, yeah it's okay. But uh, yeah like I go there a lot <laughs> So I like know the numbers But those are my go to, mango is my thing Okay. Oh,
0: All right. Wait, wait. Here's one more yeah, thing about yeah, Time I got. <laughs> I, I need your opinion on this as a Time expert. I'm not exactly a, a bubble tea aficionado like yourself, but um, <laughs> I go to school near Toronto. You have to have gone a few times. Of course. What do you? What are your thoughts on uh, taro bubble tea from Time specifically compared to other ones? Because my opinion, it ain't it. It tastes like sand. <laughs> it really depends on the. Uh, it really depends on the the,
1: the liquid base. Because sometimes when the liquid base is bitter, like it's, uh, I can't remember, there's like a jasmine tea or something like that, where it's just, there's not enough sweetness there. The taro just, it, it, it just tastes like sandpaper the whole time, but I've had it a couple of times where the, the base is, 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 is very liquidy, it's like a juice almost, and it's sweet, and so they mix this together, and it's more of like a texture play mm-hmm. than it is a taste play. So mm-hmm. same way tapioca, it doesn't really have a taste, but it's like a texture experience. Yeah. That's what the taro thing is, but I never got into it. There's also something I tried, which is red bean. Now, red bean has a flavor, not bad, right? When you go to a sushi place you have red bean ice cream, not bad, yeah, solid. Yeah. But they actually had, like, the red beans in there. And those were so bitter one time, it was Thank the you. worst experience
0: ever. I hated the actual red bean. We had something, um, like our first year MGMT project, you know, you have to, like, look at different companies and stuff. So my group chose Bubble Tea. And we All went right. to, uh, what's it called? Uh, Gongcha, like on campus to try it out yeah I was like okay you know I'll be a bit quirky I'll get something like off the beaten path so I got like I forget what it was I think it was it was red bean it or at yeah. least it had red bean topping on them like okay you know I've had the ice cream it can't be that bad it was just straight beans, bro. Yeah, like, it was,
1: it, oh.
0: I was like, I knew,
1: I know this place does like a hundred different things and they're really experimental and I love yeah. that, but I never
2: thought I'd actually get beans. Like, they were my drink. drink. Like,
1: is just beans. It's just beans.
2: <laughs> I know that you're really into video games as well. And obviously that kid has started a lot. So yeah. much so that you actually started a uh, Smash Brothers tournament in high school in which you fundraised yeah. about $800, if I'm not mistaken. So before anything, I just gotta ask you, what's your main man? What's your main in, in Smash Brothers? Oh my god! Okay, so, so here's the thing:
1: before before the the uh, what do you call Ultimate, the Smash, uh, mm. the Switch version, it was yeah. Link, right? Because Link had all his moves, like his good moves, in one. And then Ultimate yeah. came out, and Toon Link and Link got split up. So half right. the good moves were on Link, and half the good moves are on Toon Link. And so now yeah. I'm still figuring it out. Like, Toon Link's <laughs> okay, but he's not. I don't know, he just doesn't have the range that he used to. It's, it's a smaller character. Yeah, of course. The boxes aren't as good. Um, but beyond that, I really love, what's that guy? Um, Bowser Jr.? Oh. Uh, the one with, he's yeah. in a little cart. Yeah, with like a little cart.
2: Yeah. like yeah, yeah, He's Bowser's so annoying. Career.
1: Oh, my God. I yeah. love him. He's so <laughs>
2: fun.
1: You'll drop a bomb. You'll you'll sprint across or shoot a thing and then jump. It's He's so annoying. And no one no one plays him, especially yeah. online. Yeah, so no one expects all his nonsense. And he's so much fun yeah. to mess around with.
2: I mean, I used to be a Mario main for the longest time when I was, I used to play Melee when I was like eight oh my and God. then, yeah. and then I got into like brawl and then the Wii U version. I, I just switched to Donkey Kong after a while, you know, just, oh, okay. you know, I, he's I like, think
1: a, Mario are like really try hard. Mario. Yeah. People. Like, it's just like, it's so serious to them and, and I can respect that, but it's just not <laughs> fun. You know, like I, I see a Mario and he'll like wreck me in like two minutes. And I just like, that's not what I'm it's
2: no, I'd say the biggest tryhards is Fox. Fox mains are just oh, yeah. insane.
1: Horrible. I hate playing <laughs> It's so annoying. It's just not fun anymore.
2: It's, I, I mean, it's I suck just...
1: at it, too. It's like whenever I play online, I keep losing. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I just have a good time with my friends, and, and that's always nice.
0: No, no, here's yeah. what we can do. We can uh, We'll cut back those 30 seconds you said, and now you can just say, I'm really good online. And I you I only win. We'll just cut that. yeah, oh, no, I'm the best. I'm so good. Number one in the world. That's my side
1: job. Yeah, exactly. That's it.
2: <laughs> Not many people know that he makes half his money just on Smash Brothers tournaments. Oh, yeah. That's it's, what it is. <laughs>
0: what what did you do for that fundraiser? Like what was it what was the setup? Yeah, that fundraiser was actually
1: really important to me. I, I remember it was I was uh twenty I think it was like twenty fifteen or sixteen, but I was in like grade eleven or Twelve, I remember. I was in grade eleven, I think, or twelve, whatever. And basically, you know, at that time, um, a a big problem, like a humanitarian problem, was the Syrian refugee crisis. Mm -hmm. And so, I felt really passionate about that. I felt really personal to that. I remember I saw this picture, uh, you know, like a gajillion pictures. I saw this one that I really connected with. It was like this little girl and this little boy in this like war-torn street, and it just reminded me of my little brother and sister. And I just felt so connected to it and I was like you know I can't believe people are are suffering through this and all I was doing was like retweeting and sharing and liking and commenting on Facebook and Twitter and whatever and I just felt like that wasn't enough you know like you know it's like raise awareness sure but what I thought about was like there's got to be like what's after that you know where who who needs this awareness like who who are we waiting for them to see this for something to happen you know and I said well I want to do something about it Right. Like I was a little kid. I mean, it was like, what, 16 or 17 years old. You know, how much can you really do? But that, you know, experience and that kind of like passion for at least trying to make some sort of impact got me started in this fundraiser. And so I got a couple of friends and this was like very busy times. It was like near December. uh, You know, all our CPTs or culminating assignments were due and everyone was working on school stuff. And I was like, I'm going to do this fundraiser. And I was hardly focused on school at all. And so I got a couple of friends and I pitched it to them and I said, this is what I want to do we're going to raise money and we're going to help this cause. And here's how we're going to do it. And, and I had some really awesome friends who got really behind it. And, and we set this little thing up and it was such an awesome experience into kind of like a light version of entrepreneurship and a light version of kind of like social enterprise, nonprofit work, whatever, because it, it honestly, like it just blew up uh, as soon as we started, we, we, and I put up, here's the thing I put out, I think about $400 out of my own pocket um, to set this up. And this was the first mm-hmm. time I ever did anything like this. Never started a business for or in that capacity or anything. And so I was super scared that I was gonna lose all my money. We weren't gonna make anything back. We weren't gonna get no. enough people to come out. But within a couple of days, we maxed out the room that we originally booked. We went back to the recreation center and said, hey, we need double the capacity. So we went from a room of 40 people to actually triple the capacity, 120 people. Um, and, and we put up the money for it and, and it just and there's so much support that was pouring in. Um, and, and it was just a whole experience. It's entrepreneurship and everything. And so, yes, you know, how was it set up? That was kind of like how it got started. And the event itself was, you know, me, a couple of my friends, a couple of people from my anime club who came out <laughs> with their Wii U's and, and uh, their smash rolls and projectors and TVs. And even a, a teacher, I remember, he loaned me a projector, even though he wasn't allowed to. He's like, just don't tell anybody, but I really want to help. Um, and so we got this thing set up on a weekend. And we had so many people come out, people I didn't even meet before, you know, I wasn't expecting a line or anything. We, we pre-sold all our tickets to the capacity of 120. time shows. I opened the door and people are all the way outside of the the, the, the venue Jesus. all the way down the stairs lined up. And I'm I'm looking, I'm like, I've never seen any of these people before. <laughs> so we were well over capacity way past the fire safety limit. Don't tell the recreation center, <laughs> but that was such an amazing experience. And we raised a little over a grand and around $1,400, 800 was the profit, but it was just really nice to be able to be, you know, young and to be able to feel passionately about some sort of cause and make some sort of impact into it in whatever capacity possible. And so since then, I mean, that's what's inspired what I'm doing now, which is much larger in capacity. But I talk about that fundraiser way more um, as an in- instrumental piece in my career. Yeah, I, I, It was an awesome experience of like trying every little piece out. Like I had, believe it or not, I had haters. I mean, who hates on somebody doing a little fundraiser? But honestly, there's a guy I remember. I was planning it at lunch one time. We were sitting at this like double shop um, and me and a lot of people were planning. And I guess he just didn't like, he was like this, the popular guy uh, at the time. And, um, and I guess he just didn't like all the attention that was on me because they were announcing all the announcements. Teachers were talking about it, blah, 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 you know, it was kind of the talk of the school at the time. And he came up to me and he's like, yo, you know, you know, hundred or $200 isn't going to do anything. And that was my biggest fear. A little, you know, when you're, when you're in high school, having someone like that come up to you and say, you know, you and you're, what you're trying to do here is pretty dumb that was my biggest fear when we were starting out it wasn't even about the money at that point which was still a big deal but I don't know what but in that moment I was just like alright whatever Right? And I was like okay and then I went back to work and that little interaction was so meaningful to me and he walked away and never talked to me about it again and we just had this huge successful event and ever since then I was never was like any other thing I started after. and I was never afraid of that guy coming up and saying wow this is dumb and I, I, I don't know honestly I, I'm really happy he did Cause that was such a—that mm-hmm. was the biggest fear, and I and I got to get over it um, during lunch this one random day. Everybody has that fear. I mean, I know people my age who have that exact same fear of like, what are people going to say? But you kind of go through it once and have people say something and realize like how absolutely minuscule that is, yeah. and you're like, why why didn't I do something sooner? You know?
0: It, there's a what is that I heard it the other day? If you walk on water, people are going to say it's because you can't swim. You're going to always have haters, bro that's kind of been the catalyst and kind of what got you started get you dipping your toes in the water. So I guess along the way, what we were talking about is we saw that you also started another company called wrapped mm-hmm. uh, yeah. a job subscription box with like summer company. So I guess we were just curious. Cause I mean, if we're going down the timeline, you did this and now that, before we yeah. get to, you know, what's going on right now, could you, you know, just explain more about the business and like, how helpful the program was for you yeah yeah no for sure i
1: did summer company the summer of my grade 12 year, so basically between grade 12 and first year um i did summer company and they give you some money and they give you some support most of it like for me at least was the emotional support of like people around you saying like yeah you can do it and here's how you do things and whatever um and so i started wrapped wrapped was a subscription box for hijabs basically everyone's seen like dollar shave club or You know uh, the boxes. It's pretty common now. Then it was still pretty common, but now it's like everywhere. Basically, you subscribe for X dollars a month, and you get a box of hijabs and and like women's fashion items um, every month. And I don't know why I started that because I'm first off I'm not you know a fashionable guy to begin with, and I'm not female identifying either. It was totally like out of left field. Um, but anyway, I started that and, and, and the summer company program was great because I didn't make any sales in my first like couple of weeks. And you know, that kind of like crushes your entire dreams when you start a business. because Your your big thought is like, Oh, I'm going to start, I'm going to ship out a hundred orders and the next month I'm going to ship out a thousand. I didn't even get one. And I was like, I went to him and I'm like, listen, man, you gave me like three grand if I don't make a single sale, like, are you going to take it back? Like, I don't have it anymore. What is going to happen? <laughs> and they're like, no, don't worry about it. You're like, you're good. You're good. You know, you're trying your best and everything. And, I mean, it's killer. And we made I made all the money back and everything. And I was actually selected to be um, kind of like the, the chosen business or the representative business for the city of Branton in, in Ontario's summer company yearbook of, like, all our success, our success stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a great experience and trying a bunch of different things and failing really fast and hard and, and uh, learning from there as well, yeah. Did you work with anyone on that or was it just you? No, nope, solo. I think for me, a lot of my, my stuff, I usually start off solo and then add people afterwards when it's like validated and this and that.
2: Mm. Yeah. So, so now that we're running down the timeline when it comes to first, you know, this kind of spark with the Smash Brothers Club and then uh, your business uh, during the summer right before you started university. Um, when you started university, I know that you were part of the Schulich Entrepreneurship Club as first uh, first year representative in the first year. And then afterwards in second year, you went straight uh, for yeah. the presidency okay. position. So yeah. I, do you wanted to, I just wanted to ask you, how was the contrast between both positions? Like myself, I was part of a first year position and not to diss anybody, but it's like, it's not, you're not really like down and dirty with it. you just kind of in the sidelines, like, you know, being like, yeah, you know, but it's <laughs> once you get into the actual presidency position, you actually have to like yeah. do much more, right? Yeah, yeah. it was, um, yeah, no.
1: I mean, feel free to follow first year rep positions. I, I think they're pretty solid to get at least something going on in first year. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of times you end up starting your executive, you know, career in second year. Um, but yeah, your first year rep position, you know, almost across the board is just there to like be a hype man or woman for exactly. the first year reps and, and get people to come to the events, which I think is fair. I think there's not too much you can do like halfway into the year and only like, a couple months left anyway. But yeah. For me, I was first year rep, and then I guess technically I was promoted to VP or head of marketing, and then that was for like three months or something before I was promoted to president, so all within the same time frame, basically. Um, So, yeah, first year I was first year rep, second year I was president, which was a big jump, obviously, and very different. I think, I mean... I think a big piece of why I was chosen for president, even though there's other first years along with me, there's other people who wanted to be president, but I was chosen for it along with somebody else, was just one, I had experience in entrepreneurship, man. I, and that's that's whatever. I think the big thing for me I had a passion for entrepreneurship and getting people to be more comfortable with entrepreneurship in the July community. That was like my that was like my guiding light, that was like my mission, that was the whole thing. I was like, I want I hated first year that all anybody talked about was accounting. Fourth year, that's mm. all anybody still talked about. It doesn't change, right? We're in <laughs> accounting, believe it or not. Um, and I was just like, I don't want to do accounting, right? I hated accounting. I did bad in accounting in first year. I did fine afterwards still. Um, I didn't want to go into accounting. And, you know, I was really into in entrepreneurship. And, and I was like, okay, what's the big, you know, I'll I'll get into details later but basically that was the thing I like I had this vision I was like I want to make entrepreneurship more complex and so when I was in the president role it was very different because now you're managing a team of like you went from being the lowest of the totem pole to probably the highest uh you're managing zero people as a first year rep to all of a sudden you're managing 16 people so big jump there and you're managing multiple departments um so for me it was really about having the strategy down and the next big thing was you know getting the team on board so I was put in into the president role in a really weird time. So I was putting into it in September, whereas you're usually put into it in the end of the prior year, which is January, March, April, May. So you spend the summer um, preparing together. for the next year. Your summer is the biggest, busiest period when you're in a, in a senior role for a club. I didn't have that. September came, they're like, OK, you're president. And I'm like, OK, great. And then club week starts, all this stuff starts. I'm like, did you guys prepare any of that? And they're like, no, not. we didn't even talk about anything. There was nothing done for the summer. And so I was there months behind every single other club in a club that was pretty relatively, not unknown, but we were definitely, you know, a small time club and we're already behind by like four or five months. And so for me, it was very quickly getting a mission, you know, put together, getting the team back on board because they hadn't been engaged with for a long time. They didn't really care. And, you know, again, same thing with the fundraiser, like selling the mission, be like, this is what we're here for. This is what we're doing and getting everybody's buy in and 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 really achieving at that point point. and what was really funny was that we got to we got caught up and we had new events come out new flagships and um we ended the year better than we did last year so i think that's pretty solid for a club that started like half a year behind
2: mm-hmm. wow yeah. that's a that's a pretty impressive story from just kind of like
1: threw you in the deep end <laughs> Yeah, yeah no, it was long. Just go. <laughs> I, I remember when they told me I got it. It was, I was a fresh leader at the time and I got it and I was like, Oh, sick. Like I thought it was so easy and cool. Like now it's going to be easy because now you're at the top, so to say, but it was the total opposite. It was not easy <laughs> at that point.
2: <laughs> a lot of people depending on you now. So you got to
1: yeah, just look exactly. up to you like, what
2: do we do now type of thing?
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: How yeah. did you exactly cope with, you know, all the pressure of all of a sudden being a president and having to pick this club in such a short time span? How did you deal with uh, mentally outside of just like the club itself?
1: Yeah, I was I was doing a lot. I remember second the beginning of second year was probably my busiest time at Shula because the summer prior to that I just started chatting to wellness mm-hmm. and I was still running rapt and I'm still a student as well. I mean, don't forget that part. Um and I was I think I was doing something else minor at the time, but I was doing like 3-4 things at the same time. And so that was a really really tough year for me or at least 3 quarters of the year when I was doing everything at once. And so I was always busy. I was always talking to people about this and that. And I never really had time off. Um, And honestly, like, I burned out that year, I remember, because I was doing so much. And I was eating unhealthy. And I wasn't, like, socializing as I needed to. And I was pretty much learning all the things I know I need to do now by failing at them at that time. Hmm. Which, in a backwards way, was really great because now I I got to learn from it. But I wasn't handling it very well at all, actually. I was just doing what I needed to, to get by, meet all my deadlines, you know, meet our deadlines for wrapped and our shipments and our social media posts and get caught up with your entrepreneurship and then talk to our partners and our volunteers at chatting to wellness and then still find some time to do assignments and like another year of accounting. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I wasn't
0: doing a lot, but I, I learned a lot from that experience for sure. So I guess we can, you know, get to the elephant in the room right now and uh, start talking about chatting to wellness. So <laughs> Just a genuine, like, why, why did you start it? What, what came from that? Like, why? Why I started
1: trying to wellness? Um, it came from, and since we had some more time, I'll give you a little bit more than the elevator pitch, kind of like the second piece of it. Um, there's two main drivers for that. One was, um, you know, this is a standard one you hear in any trees and stuff like that, um, was I went back home to Pakistan that summer. Yeah, early that summer I went back home to Pakistan, uh, summer of my first year. I visited my grandparents there, and if you don't know anything about Pakistan or South Asia, families will live in these big homes together. So, my grandparents are living with my uncle, my other uncle, their wives, their kids, a bunch of family in one home. And what I found was that even though they're living with all this family, they're still very isolated and alone. And they were eating by themselves, watching TV by themselves, doing everything on their own. And I said, I came back home, uh, you know, I came back here later that summer, and I said, okay, if that's the case back home, in such a family oriented structure, in a very family oriented culture, what's it like over here? And so I looked into it and I found there's a huge amount of abandonment and isolation in retirement residences in North America. And so that's where we really got started. But why the mental health piece actually came from my own like lived experience. Um, in grade 12, um, the later part of grade 12, early part of first year, I was, I don't know if diagnosed is the right word, I should know this, but I was um, prescribed or whatever uh, with having a high functioning depression and generalized anxiety disorder. And so that made my grade twelve year, my first year, my second year very difficult on top of all the other crap I was doing, just having those like mental illnesses to deal with. And so I was in counseling all the time and I was using helplines and, and all this stuff to really get through that, plus all the stresses of whatever the whatever else I was working on. And so one of the you know, when I found out that thing about seniors and the struggles that they're going through, I thought about my own experience with mental health and, and loneliness and all that, you know, that whole experience. And I couldn't imagine where my life would be now or even at that point if I didn't have, you know, free counseling across the street from Schulich, uh you know, kids' help phone, all these helplines, 24-7 crisis lines, all these resources that I was using, um, I, I couldn't imagine where I would have been. And then I realized that seniors had none of this. They had none of these resources. And still to this day, besides trying to wellness, they have very little, if any at all, of these resources. And I think, you know, how is someone who's living a much harder life than me, going about their lives with even less resources than I had to get by. And I was having a really hard time. And so I said, okay, they really need something in this space. And so what started off is me and a couple of my friends just visiting retirement residences to provide companionship and friendship to the seniors there because I know for me during my experience, that was a huge thing. Just talking to a friend and letting something out that was on my mind was a huge help. And so I said, okay, let's provide that to these people. It's simple. It's you know, it's not convoluted. You don't need to be a therapist or a doctor to do it. We started off with that and, and it was really effective, and we got more professional with things and, and scaled ever since.
2: Yeah. So it's just like a, it, I feel like it's, I don't know, uh, it's quite moving how you, like, somehow you've connected all of this, like, your experiences and the experiences that you had at home yeah. and the experiences that you have for mental health, and you just kind of convoluted them all into one business that, outside of obviously, like, being a business, obviously being a nonprofit organization, like it, it has a, like a noble kind of cause altogether in it. Right. And I know that I've, I've, I've actually heard stories about it. I, am I'm, I'm not sure if you can correct me on this, but I heard about a, a senior that hadn't been visited for about 20, 25 years. And once, yeah. uh, could you just like expand on that? I don't, I don't want to like tell it in the wrong way. So. Yeah, yeah. No,
1: no worries. Um, yeah. yeah. So this was the summer of my first year. It was just when we started before my second year. Uh, one of our first visits to a retirement home, I was 19 at the time. We went and visited this senior, uh, it was a home in Mississauga. She was 108 years old when we we're visiting her. There was a, there was funny enough. There was actually like a, a, a letter on the wall from the mayor of Mississauga. She said, congratulations on your hundredth birthday. So if you live in Mississauga, that's something to look forward to, I guess. And, and so we just, we were blown away. We were like, Oh, she's 108 years old, but so we're talking to her. She's happy. She's really, you know, you know, there with us with the conversation. It's pretty normal for us, right? It's not new. Um, everybody's kind of really happy when we talk to them. But what I noticed in this case was that there's a lot of nurses and, and people around the room who are kind of looking and whispering and pointing and, and we're still new at the time. So I went up to them and I said, Hey, you know, is everything okay? You know, are we doing anything wrong? And they're like, no, 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 every, everything's good. Uh, we just never seen Irene, that was her name, this happy before. And I said, why is that the case? And he said, well, Irene, you know, she hasn't had visitors like this in over 25 years. But I was so blown away by that. And this was like the head nurse. She's been there forever. And she said, we haven't had visitors for her in over 25 years. And I was there. I was like, I was 19 at the time to imagine someone who's sitting, not even a foot away from me has gone my entire life, everything I've known my entire entire life. Plus some right without any friends, any family, anybody besides doctors and nurses visiting prescribing medicines, they're not even there to be friends. It's just, you know, nothing. That just blew me away. And what I wish I could tell you is that that was such a rare thing. And it just really isn't. We see stuff like that all the time. Maybe not 25 years, but we see people who go months and years without any friends or family. And they just live their life that way.
0: Man, if we keep going on this topic, you're going to help us reach the quota where every episode, Jesus cries. at least. (laughs) We have that you've done 3,000 chats total and on track to 300 a month so far. Yeah, so we early twenty twenty
1: actually like January, so we're we're a couple months after that have done. Or early twenty twenty, we surpassed three thousand cumulative chatting sessions since I started in the summer of my first year, middle of twenty seventeen, and we're on track to to close four thousand relatively soon actually. Pre-COVID, we're doing a little over 300 every single month. We're set to expand that by 50%, a little over like 50 to 75% uh, just in the summer alone. But obviously, because of COVID, we have to stop that entirely because those are in-person visits and shifted to phone chats, which are, are picking are picking up very quickly. Um, but yeah, 3,000. I mean, it's hard to imagine, but like 3,000 individual conversations early 2020 January.
0: So how is it like working now in COVID for you guys? Because, you know seniors may not have that much knowledge or access to technology, and you obviously can't go in person now. Yeah. Well, that's something
1: that you just got to think about in the product design or the service design process. Um, you know, When we started out, that was a conversation I had with my, my, my like head exec team. It was basically like, hey, this is something. When we paused, we stopped for like a day or two, and we're like, okay, what do we do now? That was our biggest thing. And so we're like, okay, well, this is still a problem, right? And we got to adapt in some way. So I put together this little list, my, you know, business planning and whatever, um, you know, all the stuff you learned throughout school. Um, and then I pitched it to, to my, my head of volunteers and my head of partnerships and we fine tuned it after that. And then we took it to the rest of the team and said, hey, this is what we want to do, which was phone chats. So we took the best of in-person conversations and in-person chatting sessions and put them online. Not even online, but just over the phone. So we know a lot of seniors don't have access to the internet or don't have access to zoom or all these other things. We kept it as simple as possible. The simplest form of communication was over the phone. Right. Um, And that's what we, we work with. Uh, People can sign up online or they can call us and we'll set up a time with them and we'll have a phone call with them for about an hour um, to just chat about them and and what they're all about and what's on their mind and and
2: things like that. So obviously with the growing impact that chatting the wellness had, We've seen a lot of media attention from it, from uh, CBC, the Global Mail, uh, yeah. We Charity, to even one of the Jonas Brothers, you know, saying like, hey, man, this is <laughs> something we are doing right now. Uh, so yeah. I just wanted to ask you to just, I would say, just kind of plug this, uh, this organization that are you're in right now. Yeah, how can people get signed up with you? Yeah, so there's two ways you can help or, or get involved. One is either you can sign up
1: somebody to have a chat. If you have a grandma, grandpa, family friend, anybody that you feel like wants to have a chat you can sign them up at chatting12ness.ca forward slash phone chats or you can just go to our website you'll find it there it's pretty easy but if you want to help we have a dedicated page for anyone who's interested in helping out whether it's being a chatter and being someone who's on the phone talking to seniors or in a much lighter capacity we have a whole spectrum there at chattingtoellness.ca forward slash help so you could either be a chatter you can be part of our ambassador program that's a couple of hours a month and it's being an ambassador for seniors in your community or it's you know, donating, or it's doing a small project that we have on there as well, like putting up posters in your community so seniors without internet access can see the resources available to them, or it's as simple as liking and following us on our socials, right? Just every like and every follow helps us to reach more and more people, more families who may have seniors um, who they can't visit in these times, more seniors themselves who just are online all the time who, are, who do have access to it, who just don't have somebody they can speak with. So um, yeah, it's just, uh, you can get involved through our website at chayingswellens.ca.
0: Okay, well, you've heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you're gonna get signed up with him. So, if we're putting this back to you know Schulich and being a grad, how much of running this business and you know all the day-to-day operations would you say that you learned from Schulich and like the content you learned there, and how much of it was like trial and error? Let's go in blind. Think about you know general education
1: is that you're learning a lot of stuff that's applicable at different times. So, you know, you're not learning how to start a business, obviously, because that would be such a weird course. Um, But I do see different parts of orgs coming into play when we're managing a giant team, right? How do you manage high-depth executives? You have a team of eight people you're talking to every single day. How do you manage them? How do you set motivation? How do you set goals compared to how do you manage a massive team of 130-something volunteers, right? So I do see those pieces coming out. Um, But I think what I got, and if a student's listening to this and they're like, like, how can I get my best, you know, can I, how can i get the most learning out of my experience at actually the biggest thing that i got from my time there was just the connections to the profs and the, and the, the teachers and the faculty um, i wasn't a kiss ass i know it sounds like that but i always had a great relationship with my professors and and, and the career advisor the career center and then all these other people especially even there's a whole like section of true that's just mba which is incredibly incredibly experienced uh, individuals with their own businesses, firms, uh, um, partner roles, all, you know, consultancies, all this stuff who you just go to and you're like, Hey, I'm a student here. Can you talk with me for like 30 minutes? And you're talking to someone who's probably like worth a couple hundred dollars an hour. Uh, if you were to be, you know, somebody else asking them for, for consult- consultation. So that alone is super valuable. So I'll just send an email out to different people. I, I've met at Schulich and we have great relationships and they'll give me advice or they'll connect me with someone. I, you know all this stuff I, I think it's less about the course content but it's more about the people teaching the content because um, i think there's a lot more than what you're learning from the textbook and the lectures it's like it's from real experience And i think that's that what i've learned from those conversations has applied throughout the entire business from start to where we are now
2: more of an experimental type of aspect of shooley yeah yeah you,
1: have, you gotta try and fail everything i don't think anybody's gonna teach you everything but uh, not being afraid to try and fail, I think, is a big one. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not afraid at all. I think everybody is to a degree, but uh, yeah. you know, taking that first step is a big one.
0: I guess because it is a nonprofit, and maybe some people don't initially think of that avenue if they're looking. You know, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do my own thing. What advice would you give people who you know students right now who are thinking maybe I want to start a business or maybe I want to start a nonprofit? Like in terms of you know idea creation and then about Pitching it and trying to get funding for it.
1: Yeah. Um, well, we're a bit. You know, the structure is a bit complicated in that we, when we started off, it was a nonprofit because there was no structure behind it. It was just like a philanthropic thing. But now we're we are incorporated, so it's technically a business for a social enterprise. But our activities are still nonprofit-like. Right. We're not like an investment firm or you know whatever. Like it's still very social um, and nonprofit charity, regardless of the legal structure. Um, Honestly, for me, I, I got started out of, like that passion for it and, and whatever. I didn't really think of it as a business when we started out. But there's a lot of money to be made in nonprofit, charity, social enterprise—that whole space. Um, I think a lot of people are shifting towards that anyway. Um, and the thing about you know starting a business, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit, whatever, it's—it seems really daunting. But starting and getting your first couple of failures in and getting couple, first couple of lessons and learnings in is actually really quick and easy to do. Um, it's not all that hard to do. And once you do that once, like that was wrapped for me was that. The next time you do it, which for me was chatting to wellness, you're like jumping all those, you know, beginner hurdles and you're actually building something the next time and the next time after that. Um, So, I mean, if you're thinking about the social space, I think everybody's thinking about social space nowadays. That's kind of just how like this generation or group of people are are thinking. Um, There's a lot to be done. Uh, There's a lot to be done, a lot of money to be made if that's an issue for you. I don't think... um, you know, people are going into social right now and thinking, oh, I'm going to be broke my entire life. No, like there's huge businesses that are social enterprises and charities and nonprofits. Um, I mean, just look at the US. There's like big charities, their CEOs and directors are making like half a million dollars a year uh, with tax advantaged income. Like, don't worry about the money part too much. <laughs> but if you are starting something, one piece of advice that I got actually from a panel was that just because you're a social business, just because you're a nonprofit or a charity or you're doing good, doesn't mean that people are gonna to come to you for that purpose alone. The example that I was given was that imagine you're selling a bucket and another guy's selling a bucket for five bucks each, but you say, hey, $2 of your you know purchase is gonna to go to this amazing, you know, wildlife fund. All right? But say your bucket has a hole in it. No one is buying your bucket, no matter how much money of that amount you're you know giving to charity. Because fundamentally what you're selling, the product or the service isn't valuable because your bucket has a hole in it. So what that, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty basic example, but what that was telling you is that to do social it doesn't necessarily mean that's your crutch, that you can just be social and do fine. You still have to have a solid business, a solid practice, solid service or product before people are going to spend any money on it. You got to meet the needs of, of the individual and then add on social on top of that to be a tipping point and to have more impact for your business. But it's not a crutch that you can lean on with a subpar product or service.
2: Yeah, this is yeah. this is like valuable and not only for for the people listening, but also just for us that we're obviously going through the through just going into second year and now starting to thinking about exactly what we're gonna do yeah. uh, with our lives after we graduate. So I just wanted to basically thank you for uh, being part of uh, today's podcast and giving us an insight and who exactly Mahad really is.
1: Yeah. Right? So, oh, thank you for having me. Really happy to be here and to talk about a lot of these things. Uh, you know, if people need help, feel free to reach out. A, a huge, like I said, a huge support for me and faculty, but also a bunch of alumni who are just really kind with their time. So if someone's listening and they want to chat, just send a message. I'm more than happy to, to put some time aside.
2: So once again, if you'd like to contribute to chatting to Wellness, what are some of the ways that you can do so? Just to kind of end off on that note.
1: Yeah, I think the best way to do it, the website, chattingtwellness.ca forward slash help. And you'll get a bunch of information there. Or you can just send me a message as well. and We'll figure something out.
2: All righty. Thank you very much. Awesome.